You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, visit your favorite podcast app and search Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, and fantasy sports. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in the heart of the Queen City, BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by Calamity James, who is in a bear costume. Yep. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> well, this is well, we should let people know this is the second time you've you've joined the show in costume. The first time you were in a fox costume. And I right. swear I remember that the fox costume had some kind of significance to your segment that you used to do called uh, the showdown. Mm-hmm. So what uh, does the bear costume have? It can you can you make some significance out of this bear costume? Yeah. So okay. So for the fox one, I think I was just excited about the onesie. Honestly, maybe. Um, yeah, I think I don't really. I mean, as far as like the fox in particular, I don't think that there is really anything about the fox. I think it was just I wanted to be weird that day. This is just uh, your thing now. This is your. Right, yeah, this- and I'm owning it. And like last night, if you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> last night you'll see that I bought a Harry Potter Hogwarts onesie as well. So, you know, that's just. And, um, and honestly, uh, you know, Claire, you are embracing uh, our first fun Friday of the season. There it is, folks. The Air Horn. It's official. It's fun Friday. It's hashtag fun Friday. We're going to have some fun here on this show. Uh, first up, we're going to continue our player preview series with the backup point guard, Michael Carter-Williams, new addition to the Hornets. We will break down uh, what his season should look like for the Charlotte Hornets. Plus, we've got a new segment on the show called I Want to Know. And we will find out some questions about myself, some questions about Claire. Uh, Some of the listeners tweeted in a few questions for us, so we'll tackle those later on in the show. Should be a good time. Real quick, want to mention, if you are listening to us on Overcast, Please give this episode a star. It helps us move up in the rankings and uh, lets other Hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, we always appreciate the five-star review and uh, write us a little note, and we always love to read those. So uh, without further ado, let's get in to this preview. Michael Carter-Williams. I feel like, Claire, he's a little bit of like the forgotten Hornets edition this offseason because He's kind of been overshadowed a little bit by the additions of Malik Monk, who a lot of people are excited about. And of course, Dwight Howard, that's a big name and a big guy. Uh, but but MCW has done something that Dwight Howard has not done and that Malik Monk desperately wants to do. And that is win Rookie of the Year. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but but why do you, you know, is is it... Maybe he's flying under the radar. Maybe that's good for Michael Carter-Williams that he's not coming in as sort of a, you know, Jeremy Lin type of, you know, dynamic player who, who like a lot of eyeballs are on in terms of needing to rebuild his career. Right. And so I'm going to take this. It's way too hot. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure, you know, in his own mind, whether he would prefer to come in with a little bit more recognition or less. I don't, that's not my call to make, I guess. Um, 
However, I do think that, especially him undergoing that platelet treatment for the arthritis and whatnot, um, that there's going to be a lot of questions still that do and should linger about his, number one, his reliability, and number two, his ability to potentially get back to that player that he once was. Uh, and so, you know, for him, you know, overall, he was, you know, he was averaging about 13 points per game for his career last year went way down to six. I'm not sure how much of that was him and how much of that might've been the Bulls because I feel like a lot of players with the exception of like Jimmy Butler kind of took a big step backwards with the Bulls last year. Um, but at the same time, I do think that, you know I mean? Like I, I guess right now I have no, I have no, I, there's no other way for me to think about this except with a, high amount of optimism, maybe a stupid amount of optimism. Um, but, um, right now I think that there's, there's still, you know, a lot and, and rightfully so a lot of questions that linger about his ability. Well, so let's step back and talk about the point guard depth last season. You had Ramon Sessions who dealt with some injuries, but also dealt with a dip in his offensive effectiveness. And then behind him, Brian Roberts, who had some problems defensively had a few games where he was able to put up you know a, a, a significant amount for him in terms of offensive production but struggled mightily defensively and right. then they finally uh, had to go to Briante Weber for a moment just to get some defense and some physicality at that position but also with the team overall so I wonder you know when you look across that landscape of backup point guards if this isn't just a reaction to that in terms of you get a guy in Michael Carter-Williams who there's no question about his defensive abilities rated uh, in in the above the 75th percentile last season according to Synergy very good rating and uh, he's a guy you know has the tools he's 6'5 long arms and uh, loves to guard and and I think that's as much a part of this decision to bring him in as you know you know versus any lingering questions about his offensive effectiveness. Well, yeah, and you know Steve Clifford is Mr. Defense as well. So, um, and I think that in, I, you know, I was talking with people last night about this a little bit as well. Um, you know, it, he's coming into a pretty good situation because with all likelihood, Cody Seller is going to be in the second unit. Um, you're coming in with another offensive weapon with Malik Monk. Um, defensively, I know that Steve Clifford, even unprompted, kind of said like, hey, Malik Monk needs some work on his defense. Hopefully that kind of happens and he will learn on the NBA defense on the fly. Um, I think one of the good things about that is that he does have Cody Zeller be behind him and back him up, which is something that um, Steve Clifford has never really had on the second unit before. So I think that, you know, both offensively and defensively, Michael Carter Williams is coming into a relatively okay situation. Um, and so, you know, and, and I, I will say that, the summer before Jeremy Lin started playing with us, I mean, people were like, wow, like, why do we get him? He hasn't been good since his Knicks days. Um, you know, he's washed up or whatever. And then he went on to have a pretty good year. So right now I'm not completely, you know, like I said, there are some lingering questions that, that should be answered and do need to be answered by Market Carter Williams and the Hornets. Um, but at the same time, I'm not completely discounting him either. Yeah, his two-point percentage last season dipped to 40%, the lowest of his career. He's obviously he has some shooting issues, not a great outside shooter. But I think that if Michael Carter-Williams can simplify things for himself on offense 
uh, it would go a long way in terms of increasing his effectiveness, focusing on making the right play, especially in transition. Uh, last season with the Bulls, he only scored 37% of the time in transition when when he was the primary ball handler, and he turned it over 20% of the time. I mean, those are those are easy points. Those are those are ways to bring up your your field goal percentages. Those are easy plays. Those are supposed to be money baskets. And and he wasn't really able to execute and get those. Um, I think he'll have some better tools. Going back to your point, Claire, I think he, he will have some better tools to work with, uh, both on the ball, but I think off the ball as well. Because Michael Carter Williams, with his size, and he is a great, uh, he, he's great at driving the basket. So if uh, if Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller can can work with him in terms of getting him getting him the ball, you know, off ball, having him. You know, cut and 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 finding him in those situations, and Nick and playing with Nick Batum, I think on that second unit will help as well. So I'm excited to see what Michael Carter Williams can do. I think he's, you know, he said all the right things in his introductory press conference. It will be interesting to see what he's worked on uh, in the off season when everyone gets a chance to talk to him at media day. But I think you know he's coming in a little under the radar, and I think that's good for a guy that many feel has lost his confidence a little bit and and lost that spark that he had when he first came into the league for Philadelphia and did win that rookie of the year award and it's 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 been a struggle uh not ever since I mean I think he had a good season two seasons ago for Milwaukee but then some injuries have certainly derailed a lot of his progress so that's another question too can he stay healthy this season can he stay on the court because behind him you've got Julian Stone who does not have a lot of NBA experience. This could be, I feel like, and, and maybe you agree or disagree with this, Claire, but I feel like the point guard position this year could potentially be what the center position was last season, which is sort of setting up that sort of tenuous depth where like one or two dominoes fall and all of a sudden there's there's a serious issue. Um, however, I do think that, you know, especially with the injury issue, you know, given that it was for arthritis, that's something that like you definitely need to kind of keep an eye on. <clears throat> and it seems like, you know, from what I've seen on Twitter and, you know, whatever, not really necessarily released by the Hornets, but, you know, just kind of the rumor mill, it sounded like the procedure that he had went okay. Um, and hopefully it doesn't really affect him too much throughout the season. Um, but, you know, it's just it's it's definitely something you have to keep an eye on. Um, and then, you know, as far as being able to get the the necessary tools in place around him, I mean, that's going to be that's just going to be a transition period. And that's that's the transition that anyone is going to have to go through when you go on a new team, not just him. Um, and so, you know, and as far as like, you know, potentially taking a dip in confidence, I can absolutely see that. And, you know, I and kind of going back to the Jeremy Lin thing again. I don't think Jeremy Lin was super confident coming into here, but I mean, that's what Steve Clifford does. It's like, that's one of the reasons why Steve Clifford is such a really. The, the interesting, player. the interesting storyline for Michael Carter Williams in my mind is uh, how does he handle his first situation in which he will be the, the unquestioned second unit point guard. I mean, when he went to uh, Milwaukee, there was always this idea that eventually he would work his way up into the starting position because there, there wasn't really a, a go-to point guard for Milwaukee, and, and he did. He started 37 games in, in 2015-16, and, 
And then in 2016-17, he came into another situation in Chicago where they did not have you know, that point guard position really locked in, and he got a chance to start 19 games as a member of the Bulls. Now, he comes into Charlotte where Kimball Walker, you know, unquestionably the best player, will be the starting point guard throughout the season, barring injury, and Michael Carter-Williams gets a true chance, and he said this during the the uh, introductory press conference, he, he wants to learn from Kimball Walker how to lead a unit. And he is going to be the the leader of that second unit from the from the point guard position, and and that's going to be I think an adjustment for Michael Carter Williams, but maybe an adjustment that works to uh, you know regain some of that confidence, bring some of that joy back to the game, and allow him to do some things that he hasn't done in a while, and and show some people something. We'll get a chance to find out more about Michael Carter-Williams on Media Day on Monday, plus uh, training camp starting up. So uh, the work will truly begin for the Charlotte Hornets and this 2017-18 campaign on Tuesday. Full coverage of that right here on Locked on Hornets. Let's move on to a new segment called I Want to Know, where we, uh, we explore ourselves, we explore each other, the listeners will ask us a few questions. Should we start, uh, let's start with one of our own and then we'll, we'll get to a few of these listener questions. So Claire, we've been seeing a lot of uh, players with the classic jersey on. So my question is, we've seen Monk, Walker, Zeller, Dwight, all with the classic jersey on. Pete Gwelly doing a great job of... Uh, of getting these images. I've got one of Dwight taking a picture of himself with the classic jersey <laughs> up on the screen right now. So my question is, uh, who who's worn it better so far? Oh, man. Um, I'm probably going to have to say Dwight Howard, honestly, because, I mean, it's cool seeing him in not only in a Charlotte jersey, but also the Charlotte retro jersey. But a close runner-up is going to have to be Kemba because, I mean, he's, you know, he's our captain. He's the, he's the one who... That exactly like yeah you yeah pulling it up on the screen now yeah oh captain my captain in the shooting position I'm going to go with Kimba as well for a very specific reason those teal tights man I'm I'm just so in with the teal tights I don't think those are going to end up in the fan shop but if they do uh, I feel like I could purchase those it's a great way like to show I could. Not show my pride, but have my team pride uh, while uh, covering the team because I could wear them under pants, you know, and and not 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 as underpants, just under my pants, and and so you know it would just be my little secret. Like I'm, they would be, you know, you you know, uh, I'm I'm supporting the team, and and no one knows but me. Exactly. Um, so, so you're long johns, so you're just gonna yeah on cold winter days, you're gonna have your teal. Tights on. But yeah, I mean, these these classic jerseys look, they just look so good. It doesn't matter uh, who they're on. I mean, these right. look fantastic. They're going to be available in November. And we're also going to get our first look at the Hornets wearing them on the court uh, in November as well. So uh, yeah, cool stuff. All right. You got a question for me for, uh, I don't know, for, for anything. Yeah. So if you could bring back any classic Hornets player to play on this team, like, you know, oh. who would you, who would you bring back? Classic player to bring back yeah. on this team. Can I, can I, should I just be selfish and bring back my favorite player uh, of my favorite Hornet of all time and just bring back Baron Davis and, yeah. and play him and play him alongside Kimba. Cause I think he could totally, I mean, he yeah. was sort of a shoot, a 
a shooting guards point guard anyway with his size and athletic ability and, and ability to uh, drive the basket. I mean, he's similar a little bit to, uh, I mean, stronger, you know, different body type than Michael Carter Williams, but same same kind of driving ability. Uh, so yeah, I'd bring back, I'd bring back him. I'd bring back. You know, I mean, if with this team, uh, you know, they've already got Dwight Howard, so maybe stay away from Alonzo. Uh, boy, mm-hmm. you know, having LJ on this team, though, at the power forward position, or even Anthony Mason to get some extra distribution on this team, get a, get someone uh, that can, you know, just an added person that could play point guard in Anthony Mason would be tough, too. But I'll just be selfish and bring back Baron Davis. You'd be selfish, yeah, because for me, I'm bringing back Grandmama. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... That's not a bad one either. That's not a bad one either. All right, this week, Skip Bayless. Oh, no, I want to get to a listener one real quick. Let's get to that. Okay, here we go. Uh, Daniel asking, I think this one's directed towards me. You were at last year's open practice, right? How hard was it to get pictures and autographs from players? Well, I mean, if you're a kid, it was pretty easy. Uh, they had booths set up where some of the players were, and and the kids would line up and, and get their stuff autographed. So, I mean, for adults, I think it might be a little more difficult, but maybe possible. I wasn't, um, I wasn't paying all that much attention to, to that aspect, but I will say if you do, if you could just borrow a kid, maybe just like, but ask permission first, don't, don't like just take a kid. That's, that's generally frowned upon, but if you could just borrow a kid and you know, people do that all the time, right? They like, you know, babysit kids and then like bachelors will take them out to sort of attract women. Do the same thing for, for basketball players. Like just, you know, if you got a kid, like get the kid to sign something for you and then give them, you know, give them 20 bucks and get the autograph. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, in when the Hornets were like, well, for that open practice, the first, you know, how many thousands of kids got that new backpack, the hoodie backpack. Yeah. I, figured, I was like, all right, who's a kid that I can borrow? Yeah. Let me know pay that kid like, off. Yeah, and a couple people responded were like, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I started mentoring kids or I, you know, that's, I'm taking my, my nephew to, I think it was Nada who said like, yeah, that's why I'm taking my nephew to this over, open practice. So, I can get a bag as well. Just, so, just give me the uh, backpack, kid. Yeah, I took you. I took you here, so I get the backpack. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just yeah, borrow a kid for a day. All right, next question here from Patrick. What is your most prized sports memorabilia, Claire? Oh man. Okay, so I have a few autographed baseballs from like White Sox players. I'm a White Sox fan. Um, okay, so I guess for me, I can't necessarily go memorabilia wise because i do still have an al jefferson bobblehead i'm looking at it right now actually and i'm pretty proud of that i don't know why but i am um but i I, but i will say that you know i think my most prized sports memory though at least was going okay taking it in a different direction but i'll allow it i've never been like a huge like sports memorabilia collector i Mm -hmm. guess i prefer to like go to the games or like go you know whatever experience it sure um but my, my most prized sports memory, though, is probably going to the White Sox World Series in 2005. The oh, first wow. Yeah, and uh, with my dad and the first game of my dad and my brother, the second game. So that's probably my best like sports memory. And then taking a picture next to the big Frank Thomas statue. That's good. I, I, I don't really do a lot of collecting. The one thing I do collect from Hornets games are programs because I feel like they're kind of an, you, you're building an encyclopedia of that season. So like when I do have kids and they're grown and they care about basketball, if they mm-hmm. care about basketball, you can do whatever you want, son. Okay, fine. You know, or daughter, 
Um, but -hmm. if they do care about basketball, if they do care about the Hornets, then uh, I can open this box and say, you know, this is, uh, this is this season and this is that season and this is when Kimba made the all-star game and it's sort of you're building you know sort of an encyclopedia of the season um, but I do have a piece uh, a few pieces of cool memorabilia I have I talk about this one a lot I have the Eldon Campbell beanie baby from the nice. final regular season home game of the original Hornets run they yeah. gave that out. They gave a T-shirt out. I think they were giving like seats away. They were just they were just yeah. like get this stuff out. We don't need it anymore. Um, they yeah, they gave a lot out that night. They played the Chicago Bulls. Jamal Crawford rookie year. So nice. Jamal, Jamal Crawford uh, yeah. playing that game and B.J. Armstrong I think was was running point for that team. Um, right. I also I think but I think honestly our uh, fantasy football league that I'm in, uh, that I've been in for like a decade now, just started doing uh, a champion, like a WWE championship belt that we've been mailing to the winners. And I finally, I finally got that. So that may be it. And that's kind of weird, but I spent, I spent a decade being terrible at my fantasy league. And just by the stroke of luck, I, I won the league uh, last season. So I think honestly that because I earned that, you know, I just, I just acquired the beanie baby because I happened to go to that final game, but Mm -hmm. I earned that, that piece of sports memorabilia. I'm proud of you, Doug. Thanks. I appreciate it. I needed that. (laughs) Um, Okay. Next. I want to know. All right. This week, Skip Bayless said this on the undisputed Michael quote, Michael Jordan could join the Charlotte Hornets in his prime and beat LeBron James with Kyrie Irving, unquote. And then Charles Barkley also said this week, quote, I'm so angry at the NBA for telling these guys, wait a minute, we're paying you guys $30, $40 million, and you can't play basketball two days in a row? We flew commercial, and we were able to play back-to-back, unquote. Uh, He also said, I've sat with older guys who took trains and played three days in a row, Unquote. I, I think he went on to say that uh, he walked backwards three miles in the snow uphill both yeah. ways. Right. Um, here's my question, Claire. Why do all of these old guys hate today's NBA? I don't know. Like, do you want a cookie? Like, good job, Charles Barkley. I mean, I don't know. Like, so for me, and, and especially, especially with regards to the back to back and the traveling and whatnot. Um, first off there's so many more games in the year than now than there were back then. So, I mean, you, you, there's more wear and tear, there's more preseason, there's, there's expanded postseason. you know, like there's a lot of factors that go into this. Also don't forget Chris Bosch's issues as well. Um, and I think that that played a pretty significant role in narrowing down the number of back-to-back games, especially after traveling um, because, you know, Chris Bosch. So for those who maybe didn't know he had some pretty severe issues with blood clots that actually forced him to retire. Um, I think this past season. So it, it got to the point where he couldn't travel with the team. He couldn't, you know, play his, he was told by doctors basically like stop playing. Um, and whenever you have something like that happen, I feel like the league does have to kind of take notice of that and also take action. Um, even if it's just one player. Um, it, but I mean, as far as Skip Bayless's quote, okay. So when he meant, with it beat LeBron James with Kyrie. Do you mean Kyrie was on Cleveland? I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. He so Michael Jordan on this current Hornets roster could beat 
LeBron James, even if the Cavaliers had Kyrie Irving? A ridiculous hypothetical. Let's just say right. that. Like, why would you even? Like, what's the point? What, well, okay, uh, that that's the question for the undisputed. It should, that should be their tagline: undisputed. What's the what's the the damn point? But here's the thing. So, look, I'm not an idiot. Like, I understand why Skip Bayless and Charles Barkley say these things, regardless of whether they believe them or not, because they are provocateurs and mm-hmm. and they have a keen awareness of an audience that they are speaking to. So, my question really is more towards this audience of people that would look at today's young, uh, vibrant, extremely athletic, you know, amazing basketball players that mm-hmm. we have and, 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 you know, complain about them not playing two days back to back. And right. when, when it's been demonstrably shown that that causes injuries, like yeah. me as a fan of, of basketball, I would like to see the best players in the world play as many games as possible. So if that means they don't have to play back to back, then so be it. Right. Yeah. So, and, and to me, so Tom Napastro had a really great article about the effects of all this traveling and playing back to back and stuff like that. And it's, I think you wrote it like at least a year ago or something like that. And, and you should look it up if you haven't read it already. Um, but yeah, so I think as far as like whether or not they believe what they're saying, Skip Bayless, I don't think he believes what he's saying at all. Uh, however, I do think that Charles Barkley does absolutely believe everything that he says, whether or not it's right or wrong. Um, to me, though, I think that if, if you're going to to try and talk about the modern day NBA as a agent of what it used to be, you know, the grand old days or whatever, um, it's just. I don't, it's just weird to me. I like how I like how in this he points out the inherent fallacy of of everything that he's saying because he's like I used to travel with guys that rode trains. And what did he say? Hold on. Um, he said we flew commercial and were able to play back to back. Barkley said of his era, I sat with older guys who took trains and played three days in a row. Okay, the thing is, Mister Barkley, uh, Charles, Charles, if I can, those yeah. players were probably bitching about you flying commercial. Exactly. Like what, how do you not get, how do you not get that? And like, why should, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And like, stop the cycle. Right. Like is nostalgia really that much more important than progress? I mean, is, is it really that much more important than to say like, Hey, like let's take care of our players and make sure that, like you said, we put the best product out there every single night versus Oh, well, you know, back in my day, you know, is it really that much more important to, or is it really that important to say, yeah, you know, these, these guys are wimps for not playing back to back. You know, I don't, to me, it's just, it's an inherent, like, just what's the point. And you're right. Like there's a fallacy of like, well, these guys, older guys rode trains. I flew. You can see the progress there. Like you benefited from that as well. And now these players are benefiting from even more progress. All right, let's do an, yeah, let's do another one. A report in the USA Today suggests what many of us feared, that referees will be cracking down on the Nick Batum special. According to the report, you know what I'm talking about. According to the report, one of the points of emphasis this year will be on continuation fouls off of screens. Nick Batum made that a staple of his game last season, forcing three free throws or in some cases four-point plays coming around a screen, pulling up as the guy uh, runs into them uh, trying to get around that screen. So they're going to be watching this more closely to determine 
essentially, like if the guy, if the defender makes contact with Nick Batum, it's a foul. But I think what they're going to be looking closely at now is uh, was it a shooting foul? Did the contact happen before the shooting motion? That's what, and James Harden uh, made, made some money out of this as well. Uh, so my question, I guess, is how much will this devastate the Hornets' offensive plan? Because Kimba used this as well. Yeah. So to me, I kind of understand and I don't understand at the same time why they would want to have this rule. First off, um, I understand that like it, it did get taken to a ridiculous level by yeah. some last year. Like I totally get it. Um, but at the same time, does that lead defensive players be able to like basically manhandle guys off of screens? So, I mean, I, I'm interested to see the effect of what this rule will, will bring about. Um, at the same time though, I, how much, I mean, just like with anything, like if there's going to be a new rule, you got to adapt to it. So I'm, you know, I'm sure that Steve Clifford has his guys and especially Nick um, and Kemba working on kind of finding a way to get around this. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's not like this is something that's sprung on people. Like it's been talked about. I, I think people were talking about potentially changing the rule all throughout last season as well. So this isn't something that's like coming as a surprise. So ultimately, like anytime there's a rule change, you just got to learn and adapt to it. All right, Claire, do you have one more before we get out of here? Um, what was the name of your fantasy team? I'm curious now. Oh, <laughs> my fantasy football team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my fantasy for the past couple of years it's been is basketball on yet, and <laughs> it has uh, my my little profile picture is of Big Country from the yeah. Vancouver Grizzlies. Yeah, uh, and yeah. on his draft night. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Is basketball on yet? I'm just ready, and and that's a perfect way to close this segment out because yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for training camp. I'm ready for preseason. Let's get yeah. the Hornets back on the court. Out of classic jerseys, white jerseys, statement jerseys. I don't. I don't give a crap. Let's just. And the get new some, one coming out. What's that? And the new one coming out. Well, I, yeah, the 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 um, what is it like? City Pride jersey. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not out yet. Um, I think probably. Maybe winter, I think, was the was the designation on that. So we'll keep an eye on when that final uh, fifth jersey for the Hornets comes out, and we'll let you know what that is. But this has been uh, I Want to Know. Got to enjoy some Joe. I watched the <laughs> in putting the and getting those clips. I watched I watched the video of that song, and it is just. How 90s cheesy was it? It is. Oh man, it was all of it. Uh, the dancing, because like that's the thing. Like you can't really distinguish what Joe did in that song in terms of dancing from anything that the Backstreet Boys were doing. Right. Uh, Ninety eight degree. It was all the same sort of uh, yeah. choreographed, very simple movements. Um, it was a joy to watch. It just took me back to a time and a place, and uh, yeah. All right. That'll do it for us here this week on Locked On Hornets. It's been a great week. It's been uh, great to be on every day. Claire's got the bear costume back on. Uh, Just a fantastic way to end uh, this fun Friday. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and you are subscribed to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell a friend. If, If somebody's wondering, where do I get some more news? Some in-depth news, some in-depth analysis of the Charlotte Hornets. Where should I go? Tell them. Locked on Hornets podcast. 
one with the bear onesies. One. <laughs> the, the one where somebody wears a bear costume. Exactly. That's how you distinguish our podcast from any other Charlotte Hornets podcast. Shoot right. us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again next week with full coverage of Media Day and Training Camp. For uh, David and Claire and the f- entire crew here at Locked On Hornets, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.